The Australia Together podcast is brought to you by Australian Community Futures Planning. We're helping Australians work together to plan a better future for their nation. Visit us at www.austcfp.com.au. Hi, my name's Bronwyn Kelly. I'm the founder of Australian Community Futures Planning, or ACFP, and this is the Australia Together podcast. Today, we're providing the third of three podcast episodes in our series on insights into human rights and democracy in Australia. In this series, I'm providing my answers to some questions I received from Indigenous Independent Senator Lydia Thorpe in association with my appearance as a witness on 28 September 2023 in the Federal Parliament's current inquiry into Australia's human rights framework. In my witness statement, I made a case in support of a Federal Human Rights Act as had been recommended by the Australian Human Rights Commission. But I stated that even if the Parliament enacts human rights legislation, the Constitution will still be a barrier to security of the human rights of Australians. I advocated for the need to ensure human rights are enshrined for all in the Constitution, not just in legislation. In noting that testimony, Senator Thorpe later asked me two important questions. My answer to the first of these can be heard in episodes 37 and 38 of the Australia Together podcast. In today's episode, I'll answer Senator Thorpe's second question. This relates to a suggestion that in proposing a Human Rights Act, rather than constitutional enshrinement of rights, the Australian Human Rights Commission is pursuing a weaker form of lawmaking for human rights. Pursuant to that, Senator Thorpe has asked, what is the biggest danger in pursuing the weaker Australian Human Rights Commission proposal as opposed to the constitutional model. Here's my answer. The dangers of relying merely on legislation to protect and secure the human rights of Australians have been outlined in ACFP submission and in my answer to question one from Senator Thorpe. They include danger number one, division of the indivisible whole of human rights that has been accepted by Australian governments in the seven core treaties and in the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. This division of rights will lead to loss of some or perhaps all rights at the will of an arbitrary government. Danger number two, continued neutering of the courts in their capacity to justly protect people from abuse or reduction of human rights by a government. A Human Rights Act may increase the chance of governments or others being held to account for breaches of legislated rights, but only those rights that have actually been legislated. Danger number three, continued diminution or possible negation of the power of Australians in their own democracy relative to any increase in arbitrary decisions that may occur from a government's disregard of the principle of responsible government. Perhaps the biggest of these dangers is the risk of executive overreach, which has the potential both to, one, eliminate the democratic rights of Australians, and two, expand the governmental abuse of rights already on the record. 
In my answer to Senator Thorpe's first question, I stated that Australia had become a serial abuser of human rights. That abuse has increased in parallel with the apparent move of Australian governments towards executive overreach since 2002. If it persists, that overreach will, among other things, create an exposure for Australians to unnecessary wars, inasmuch as there will be no potential to rightly moderate executive power in decision-making. This overreach needs to be called out for what it is, autocracy. It should not be disguised as democracy. Apart from these risks, I have provided the Parliamentary Joint Committee with a list of some other risks associated with reliance on legislation instead of constitutional enshrinement of human rights and obligations. I have also provided information on some key benefits of constitutional enshrinement. There are at least five substantial reasons why Australians must have human rights in the Constitution. In no particular order, they are 1. A stable treaty with First Nations will not be possible unless human rights are first assured for all Australians equally in the Constitution. 2. Future referendums for constitutional amendment are unlikely to succeed unless Australians are first assured that human rights are the property of all as equals. 3. Australians would trust both parliaments and legislation more if they knew that laws were being made consistent with their stated rights and interests. 4. Unless Australians have rights in the Constitution, we cannot have responsible government. And finally, 5. Unless Australians have rights in the Constitution, we cannot restore a proper balance of power between the Parliament, the Executive Government and the Courts. In my submission, I substantiated these claims as follows. 1. In support of my assertion that a stable treaty with First Nations will not be possible unless human rights are first assured in the Constitution for all Australians equally, I testified that a stable treaty between First Nations people, non-Indigenous Australians and the Australian state can only be achieved in a democracy if it has been made freely by a nation where all people are first confident of their status as political equals. The people of a nation can only be confident that they are both free and equal by declaring in law that rights are the equal property of all and that this cannot be negated by governments without the express permission of the people. Until they declare that, non-Indigenous Australians will not be confident that a treaty with First Nations people will not disadvantage them relative to Indigenous. Nor will Indigenous be confident that the treaty is fair and just and that they have been acknowledged as equal. Enshrinement of all human rights in the Constitution as the property of all people equally is therefore a condition precedent to any treaty with First Nations that all will agree is just and fair and will not result in disadvantage to any of the parties. Development of a treaty without first enshrining all human rights in the Constitution will ensure no treaty is ever really viable. Human rights are the primordial treaty we must make with each other before we can make other treaties and laws that can be regarded as just and fair. For more information in support of this, 
See Chapter 6 of the People's Constitution in the section headed Enabling Orderly Coexistence of Sovereignties by Agreement on Human Rights and Obligations. 2. In support of my assertion that future referendums for constitutional amendment are unlikely to succeed unless Australians are first assured that human rights are the property of all as equals, I testified that constitutional change requires trust in the Parliament proposing the change. The fact that Australians have rejected every constitutional change put to them since 1977 is core testimony that the majority of Australians have lost trust in those they elect to Parliament. Therefore, if Parliaments of the future wish to facilitate constitutional change that Australians as a majority will agree is good, they must first establish transparent terms of trust with the Australian electors. These terms of trust must be capable of assuring the electors that the power they're handing over in each election and referendum will not be abused by parliaments or executive governments and that those they elect will always act in the public interest. Human rights and obligations in the international human rights treaties to which Australia is a party come closer than any other statement in law to describing what the public interest actually is. They do not define the whole of the national interest, but they are fundamental to the interests of any and all individuals who seek to be members of a democracy. Since a state is not a democracy, if its citizens have no rights. Security of human rights must therefore be established before any population in a democracy will have the necessary confidence in a parliament to give assent to proposals for change to the constitution. In effect, confidence in proposals for constitutional change can only be built if the constitution itself stipulates the rights that shall not be lost by the proposed change. It is very likely that Australians will hesitate in referendums about an Indigenous voice and a republic if they're asked to give assent to changes in the absence of these terms of trust. They are very likely to keep saying no if parliaments do not offer to respect their rights. This respect must be paid to Australians by a genuinely democratic process which enables them as free and equal people to make a national agreement on human rights and obligations. In the People's Constitution, I have suggested a process by which this may be done. For more information on how establishing a national agreement on human rights and obligations in the Constitution can create confidence in Australians to build a Constitution fit for a 21st century democracy where everyone has political equality, see Chapters 6 and 7 of the People's Constitution. Three, in support of my assertion that Australians would trust both parliaments and legislation more if they knew that laws were being made consistent with their stated interests, I testified that Australians are increasingly sceptical that laws are being made in their interest. This is especially the case in relation to legislation on national security, war powers, defence, natural resource use, environmental protection and Indigenous well-being. However, 
If we could be assured that laws were being framed consistent with a set of stated values and rights, including a right to express a voice about our preferred future, confidence could be restored that laws A are being made in the public interest and B are not undermining political equality and C are consistent with what Australians consider to be good for their society. In short, it would create confidence in the rule of good laws rather than the rule of bad laws. Four, in support of my assertion that unless Australians have rights in the Constitution, we cannot have responsible government, I testified that Australia's Constitution establishes a system of representative government and we are told that this system also creates a basis for responsible government because it is structured so that the Crown, represented by the Governor-General, acts on the advice of its ministers, who are in turn members of and responsible to the Parliament. However, responsible government is merely a concept imputed to the Constitution by decades of interpretations, and in the absence of a specification of what the elected are to be responsible for, it is not likely to result in a system in which Australians can be confident that those they elect can be held accountable for being irresponsible. Human rights are one of the two key statements that should be included in any list of vital things that governments have responsibility for. The other key statement is about their responsibility to uphold the nation's particular values. Unless values and rights are specified in the one law that cannot be changed by anyone other than the people themselves, that is, the Constitution, we will not have responsible government for the simple reason that none of the elected can know what they are responsible for. As I said in the People's Constitution, values and human rights must be enshrined in the Constitution as the bottom line of the people's tolerance of their consenting to be governed. Values and human rights provide the list of the powers of Australians that may not be abused by those they elect. 5. In support of my assertion that unless Australians have rights in the Constitution, we cannot restore a proper balance of power between the Parliament, the Executive Government and the Courts, I testified that High Court rulings in various cases have culminated in a reluctance by federal judges to determine whether the course taken by Parliament is unjust or contrary to basic human rights. This reluctance has grown into outright refusal by the courts because there is no specific rendering of any human rights treaties in the Constitution itself. Australians might expect that we have a system of governance based on a well-balanced separation of powers that will allow each of the three main parties empowered under the Constitution, that's the Parliament, the Executive Government and the Judicature, to moderate potential abuses of power by one or more of those parties. However, because fundamental rights are not accorded to the people in the Constitution, one of those parties, the Judicature, has lost all capacity to moderate abuses of power by the other two. The federal courts cannot now protect Australians from complete loss of their rights. Until human rights are specified in the Constitution, the courts will be unable to exercise their rightful 
well-balanced share of power to protect Australians, and citizens will be vulnerable to loss of rights, even those they might currently assume they have, such as freedom of religion or freedom not to be discriminated against on the grounds of race. As I said in the People's Constitution, over the decades since 1901, the Constitution has been easily undermined by a series of laws and court cases that have left it seriously weakened in terms of the protections it should provide against abuse of power. I have recorded in earlier chapters no less than five major High Court rulings where it has become apparent that the judicature, which is supposed to be able to ensure that parliaments and executive governments operate in accordance with the Constitution and do not abuse their powers, has found itself unable to protect Australians from racism, human rights abuses, breaches of international law and political exclusion, particularly by federal governments that have been able to force through laws that legitimise their power to behave in a manner most 21st century Australians would consider to be abhorrent. In short, the Constitution allows the making of laws which undermine political equality in our democracy. As such, Australia does not have a structure in its polity capable of controlling the abuse of power, nor does it have a democracy capable of supporting Australians as they attempt to chart a safe course to a better future. The Al-Kateb judgment is a plea from the judiciary to the people to take the chains off the courts that prevent them from protecting people against abuses of power and rights by governments. It is also a clear statement to the effect that mere legislation is not sufficient to protect human rights. It must be done in the Constitution. Otherwise, there is no balance of power that can be achieved. No balance of power is possible if one of the powers, in this case the High Court, has no power at all under the only instrument that can give it power, the Constitution. The Court's lesson is that only the people can solve this problem via a long overdue referendum to insert human rights into the Constitution. A full transcript of these answers to Senator Thorpe's questions is available at ACFP's website at www.austcfp.com.au forward slash supporting hyphen activities. My name's Bronwyn Kelly and this has been the Australia Together podcast brought to you by Australian Community Futures Planning. To become involved in planning and building a better future for Australia, subscribe to ACFP at www.austcfp.com.au. Everyone is welcome to become involved.